Welcome to the RC Plane Lab Podcast. I'm Ron. And I'm Tom. Today, we're going to give some short updates yes. about where we are with duelists. Yep. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because I feel like we're beating a dead horse already. Fair enough. Um, and then we also have some listener questions and comments to get to. Uh, we actually have quite a few of those. So Yeah, and funny story, we've been meaning to cover them, <laughs> but I've been so long-winded on the duelist updates that uh, we've been unable to cover them up to this point, so... Right. So short, short duelist updates, updates on Duelist, <laughs> and then we'll we'll move into them. Okay. Um, uh, you threw me off. Sorry, but no, and you know that, and uh, I didn't get much down on mine, so there's not much for me to talk about. That's true. Uh, but first, yeah, you didn't get much done at all. <laughs> Enough for you to make fun of me. But anyway, first, before we get into that, our fiftieth episode is coming up. That's very uh, exciting, and that's just crazy to think about it. I mean, really. Uh, yeah, I can't believe we have sat down together fifty times almost already. This is forty-seven, and done this. It's crazy. Right? I know. Yeah. It's time flies. It does. Um, but the funny thing too is the uh, the timing of it. Fiftieth episode will be January first, twenty twenty one. How about that? How about that for timing? Right, worked out great. Um, so for that episode, uh, I think our plan is to have the wives join us. Yep, something really uh, special. So it will be all four of us talking about it, and uh, and Lori is uh, actually watching us now, and she's fisting the air because she's happy about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's excited. <laughs> I think she enjoys it. Well, I, I hope so. She likes hearing herself talk, right? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she does. She's sitting right there, so I'm not going to say much more about that. Yeah. It's better when she's not here because then, you know, you just act like she's never going to hear this. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, she listens to every episode, though. <laughs> okay. More I than I can say listens, for my wife. Well, but, I think she listens to more of them than I do, actually. Well, that's not hard. Well, I listen that's not, to That's not a high bar to set. True. Anyway, <laughs> so we're going to have the wives on. Yeah. Uh, we don't really know what we're going to talk about yet. However, if you guys have any questions you want to ask them, anything at all. Yeah. Reach out to us, send us an email, let us know what it's going to be, uh, or whatever questions you have, and we will have them answer that on the episode. Yep, yep. Should be fun. Yeah, we need stuff to talk about, so let us know what you'd like to hear them talk about. Yeah, because it's- make it's, fun of us about even, because <laughs> right? we give them plenty of material. Uh, yeah, we do. Um, Especially you. Yeah, it's going to be all stuff on the hobby, though. So we're, right. we're not, we're not going to yeah. spread off and talk about running or bicycling or any of that or weird politics. stuff you guys are on. Um, we're not talking about politics. We're not going to talk politics either. No, we don't do that here. This is the RC Plane Lab podcast. Exactly. Anyway, yeah. So uh, coming up, uh, we've got some we've got some pretty pretty cool stuff in the works uh, for the podcast. Uh, as we've mentioned before, we're going to get into some video. Uh, so hopefully, after the first of the year, we'll uh, we'll have some stuff ready for that. And uh, hopefully, coming soon. Yeah, we're going to add some more guests. Uh, to the to the podcast again. That was a good time. So, yeah, lots of cool things coming up for the podcast. Yeah, I'm excited. Me too. Duelist talk. Are you ready? Yes, sir. So, Short. I don't have much. Short. It's going to be very 
quick, I promise. Okay. Uh, remember last week I said I was dreading making the nose? I do remember that. But I was hoping that it would be something that once I did, I would look back at it and laugh about how worried I was about how hard it was going to be. Yeah, because it was silly. Um, well, I did it, and I'm not laughing. And you're not. I am. It was the worst <laughs> thing I think I have ever had to do on an RC airplane. And I'm not even finished yet. I just gave up. <laughs> I mean, like, it, it looks terrible. It does um, not look terrible. Then why did you laugh? I'm not laughing. The, the very the first w- thing, when you looked at it, you just started laughing when you saw it. Well, because I... Uh-huh. Here we go. At first glance, <laughs> the first impression is, what the heck did you do? And then after I realized what you did, I giggled to myself because that's about the absolute hardest way you could build up a, a balsa shape. It looked like you were going to say worst way, by no, no, the way. No, no, not worse. Most difficult, probably. Well, say. that's, I can attest that it's difficult. I don't know if it's the most difficult way of doing it. Yeah. Um, well, it, it was not fun. And like I said, I've given up on not, at the time I gave up and that's why it's, it's where it is because I don't want to deal with it anymore. And that's unfortunate that it wasn't fun. It was <laughs> because, not fun. Uh, because that will make you not want to do it again. And that's certainly not, not what we want to happen. Yeah. So what Ron did, I'll I'll describe it. He <laughs> to to build up the nose on his duelist fuselage, uh, instead of uh, assembling blocks and running the grain lengthwise with the fuselage to make them easier to carve, uh, he chose to stack quarter inch thick uh, plates essentially of balsa to the front of the nose to build up the nose to the proper length, and then I sand just glued all of that like, down. I don't know how many layers to the together. There was yeah. a bunch of layers. So, so yeah. hard to use a razor plane, cross grain like that. Unable to use a razor plane, <laughs> I found out. Right. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, so it's unfortunate, like I said, that, uh, that it was not fun because now you won't ever really want to carve a block again, probably, for a while. Pretty much you're right on there. I, I did not enjoy that. But if I if I did it wrong or the difficult way, I am up to learning again and yeah. trying it the right yeah. way. Right. And then hopefully it'll be better. And and to, if not, I'm to never be gonna fair, do it again. I didn't offer a lot of any advice. Any. Um, because you didn't ask. I didn't. Um, I never have to ask though. Usually you're just like, <laughs> well, what I would do, right? True. I <laughs> Guilty as charged. I, I do offer advice even when it's not uh, asked for. Which is not a bad thing. Uh, but in, the, I don't in this know case, I'm, I'm sorry that I didn't because I, I could have steered you away from a lot of aggravation. You have no idea how close I was. <laughs> <laughs> to sawing it off? To getting the chop saw and just chopping that off and starting from scratch. Yeah. I mean, really. It, and I'm, yeah. Well, I mean, it. It can be salvaged. I mean, you. I mean, you. It can be sanded, and you know, you can salvage the shape out of what you have there. Well, and the hard thing for me, I think, is actually shaping it, like getting the shape to look right. Right. Because I, I can't. The way I did it might have been more difficult, but on a sander, you should still be able to sand it and make it look okay. Right. I mean, on a belt sander, yes. right? Yes. I just, I cannot, I don't know if it's the airplane's too long, too big, too what, but it's just so awkward to kind it's of hold it shape. and cradle it yes. and then, you know, try and get it to move in the right direction to get it sanded right. I, I did, even even uh, doing the nose on mine the way I did mine, you know, running the blocks of, the, you know, the grain the of the The correct way, and, sure. 
I don't want to, I wouldn't say correct, um, but I, I didn't even use the belt sander on mine. I hand sanded mine with after oh, the really? razor plane. Yeah, yeah. Because, like you said, the shape of the thing—it's you know—it's difficult to tell whether you're getting the one side exactly the same shape as the other side. And yeah. and I'm sure mine's not perfect. No, it's not. But um, that's okay. But you know, it's close enough for me. I didn't think you were finished yet. Are you finished with the nose? Pretty much. Should I not? Have I mean, said I have that? some final sanding. To well, do and that's what I mean. So there's out, there's a few lines and stuff. Yeah, that yeah, I saw yeah. The there, lines so. are yeah. But yeah. I mean, as far as the overall shape, shape of it, it's it's not perfect. I'm I'm positive. That's a that. lot better than mine. But it's you know, um, I didn't use the sander on my nose either. So anyway, that was that's how Ron assembled his nose, and uh, he learned a lesson. Uh, the hard way. Uh, pictures will be on the <laughs> website. <laughs> So you can get a laugh out of it too. I'll, I'll have them up on the uh, oh, on the stuff. build log. It's good stuff. Um, so the other thing, <clears throat> I got my covering in, but not the covering that I ordered before. So remember, I told you I ordered some, yeah. and it was on like the twenty third. I ordered it November twenty third. It shipped on November twenty fourth. Hadn't moved yes. up until last week. Right. Same thing. It still sits still there and has not there. moved. So that's crazy. Same place. I'm pretty sure because it's shipped from the same address. Mm-hmm. Um, one was an eBay store and one is an actual oh, okay. hobby store. Gotcha. Um, so I bought a bunch of covering from their actual like website store, that value hobby. Mm-hmm. And I ordered that last Thursday and it was delivered UPS Friday. So it's, I mean, I have covering. I just have a hard time wrapping my head around the same business. Granted, they're operating. Well, I two don't different... know for sure that it's the same well, business. Maybe it's somebody working third party that's drop shipping. I don't know. Oh, well, that's that not for be. me to worry about. That's, yeah. The only thing that matters is they shipped it. They sent me the tracking number. It was shipped through the mail, and it showed that they accepted it. They have it, and it has not moved since November twenty fourth. And I even <clears> bought <throat> another like couple colors on the thirtieth. Same thing. Through the mail, through the eBay that thing. That warrants so. a phone call. Yeah, I'm going to have to get back in touch with them again. Like, I figure it's going to get here sometime because, I mean, it's in the system. And I really don't care that much because I can have extra covering. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, but still. True. You want to get what you paid for. Well, I I will, but I would like to have it sooner right? rather than later. Yeah. Those are my updates. That's all I'm going to say. And, yeah, we're we're good. So your turn, quick. Okay, quick. So uh, my airplane That's all you have time for. Let's move on. Okay, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, mine is almost ready for covering. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a lot of little details done that uh, don't really warrant getting into into uh, depth talking about them. Um, but basically, the uh, the construction is complete. Uh, I've got a few little things to do, some fuel proofing, final sanding, and uh, and I'm ready for covering. You are way ahead of me. So, yep. Well, I don't see you keep saying that. I'm. I mean, construction. Yeah, my construction is done, but I still have lots of these little things that just eat up the time and you're i mean you don't have to worry about things like you know i'm gonna have to test the retracts i'm gonna have to install the engines i'm gonna have to install the tanks i have to build the tank you know what i'm saying no i get you so i I, you're physically i think farther along than i am but i still contend that i have less to do than you do overall i would agree with that 100 percent you know yep. the 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 finish line is the same, yeah. but the amount to get there is. Oh, and by the way, that was more. a nice little jab on the uh, on the forums there. I posted a picture <laughs> of my of my uh, stork on its gear, the <laughs> duelist. Like I mentioned, you know, I made the gear legs longer to give myself some extra prop clearance, and it does look a little weird in that photo. Just in that photo, 
Because that photo, it looks it looks like some skinny legs holding that thing up, well, and it doesn't I mean, look like it's going to be able to handle your hard landings. My, what, you keep like hard land. I don't land hard. You're right. I'm sorry. Not yeah, usually. You, you float in like a. Yeah, like, I yeah. grease them in every single time. <laughs> okay, we know that's not true, but but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much that's pretty much all I'm going to talk about for updates. And that is, like I said, though that that's concerning on the the spindly gear. Nah, it's fine. you don't think so? No, really. Like once I had everything assembled, like I had the gear, yeah, only half bolted in. Like I had two screws in each uh, gear, mm-hmm. and with it, not granted, it's not full weight, you know, the engines weren't in it and all that. It was not like springy, wobbly. Oh, good. Cause looking at the picture, soft. I would have thought it would have been like really. The, the, the not... picture is deceiving because okay. it's a downward angle and it makes it look, I'm, no, I'm not going to lie. It's tall. <laughs> <laughs> it is tall, but I've got room for 11 inch props if I ever decide to go that direction. So I'm happy with it. Good. And it's not going to be spending much time on the gear because I'm going to be flying it so much. Well, yeah, so but every landing is gonna is gonna beat it up because so? your bird's gonna be heavy. I it mean, is gonna be. Heavy. I no longer think I'm gonna be three pounds lighter than you. I'm thinking it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be four more like plus. four. <laughs> yeah, easily. It might be. I mean, it might be. Anyway, you've felt it. You've felt it. I've felt it, and it is. It's a it's a weighty girl. Yes. Okay. All right. So what we wanted to talk about tonight. That's we, enough with the duelist. We've got several questions and comments that we wanted to get to. We have lots. Of, we have a book in front of us. We have lots and lots of papers to go through. That's right. So was there anything else on this one? Da, 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 da. Nope. And as a reminder to our listeners, um, if you have anything you want to say to us, uh, lots of ways to get a hold of us. Yep. And I just threw that paper away. So you go ahead and <laughs> you say what it uh, is. <laughs> yeah. There, so there's a contact us form on the website. There is. Uh, you can get us through email. That's ron at rcplanelab.com or tom at rcplanelab.com. Mm-hmm. You can also leave us a voicemail or a text at uh, telephone number 818-351-9846. And if you send us a question, we'll most likely read it on the podcast. Well, of course, because, because most likely somebody else is thinking the same thing, or yeah. wondering the same thing, so. and they might not be—they uh, might be a little too shy to ask. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah send so us questions, and we'll go. Uh, first thing before we get into questions, so the gentleman that uh, text or texted us that uh, emailed us about the Fat Albert thing last week, <laughs> yes. So he uh, he let us know that uh, he got done listening to the new episode, and that uh, he said it was worth bringing up Fat Albert just to hear Tom do a hey hey hey. He said, "Man, I was laughing so hard I broke the rudder on my PT seventeen. A little glue, and she's all fixed up." Well, I'm not happy that he broke his rudder off his airplane because of something stupid I did, but I'm I'm here to entertain. So I'm glad that he found enjoyment in my (laughs) rendition of Fat Albert. It was quite embarrassing. And I will not do it again. Good. Actually, no, do it again. Come on. No. Come on, one more time. No, I'm not doing it again. Okay. Hey, hey, hey. It's Fat Albert. There you go. If you didn't do it, I was just going to take one from last week. <laughs> right, and put I it figured back you would. <laughs> so I figured I'd give you something. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! All right, so we had another. We had another guy uh, text us, uh, and he said, "Hey guys, sorry to bother you on a weekend, which it's no bother. It, I mean, no, it's really not. No, especially because it doesn't go to Tom. It goes to me. Yep. <laughs> so it doesn't bother him at all. It doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, on the weekends, that's when I do my RC stuff. Right, so like actually. that's usually the best time to talk about RC stuff is on yeah, the weekends. It is. So, I agree. And yeah. if, if we don't like respond right away, don't take it personally. 
other things are happening at yeah, times. But more than likely, we will get back to you. As quick as we can. Yep. Um, but he said, but I just started listening to your 46th episode. So weird to hear 46. I know. Uh, how much difference in between the debonder and pure acetone? He said, I'm about to hinge some ailerons to wings, and I only have acetone for any spillage. That's a, actually a really good question. Um, we covered it a little bit uh, in previous episodes about uh, how you could use acetone in place of debonder. Um, it doesn't work as well as debonder. I'll just say that right out, you know, right out of the gate. But if you don't have debonder, acetone has a good substitute. I would strongly recommend uh, testing it in a small area first to make sure it doesn't soften up your covering or mess with the. Or can it change the color <laughs> of it even? I've never seen it change the color of okay. the covering, but it definitely can affect the adhesive on the backside. So if you're near an edge or a seam, oh, okay. you want to be really, really careful. And what I've done, I still use it. Um, I just don't use a lot of it. I just get a little bit on the paper towel and give it a quick wipe, and that's usually enough to to take off the the CA or or um, adhesive that might be on the on the covering. And and you do have to be careful. Don't rub it too much. And this goes for debonder also because you'll rub the gloss right off of most covering films. Really? Pretty easily. I did yep. not know that. Mm -hmm. So when you spill or get any on your covering like CA, mm -hmm. do you wait till it dries or do you try and get it off as fast as you I can? I try to get it off as fast as I can because it's easier to get it off when it's not quite set. Is it? But CA sets so fast that yeah. sometimes, it's, sometimes I don't even realize it until it's a days later. I'm like, oh. Well, that's lovely. But debonder does work, even on cured, fully cured CA. Yeah, I've used it on my uh, on my countertop before. And your phone. And my phone. <laughs> um, <laughs> but countertop was more recent, um, <laughs> even though the phone was just last week. Anyway, moving on. Interesting. Um, so we also had a message from... Oh, actually, you know what? I don't know, do you think? Because he didn't let us know how that worked out. Oh, yeah. So I don't know... So if. it's one of three options. Okay. So either he hinged his ailerons and everything went fantastic and he didn't need any debonder because he didn't have any spillage. Or acetone. Or acetone, right. And that's the one I'm hoping for. Me too. Mm -hmm. Or option two, um, he hinged his ailerons and he had a little bit of spillage and he used the acetone carefully and it worked great. Which or also would be okay. That would be acceptable. Mm -hmm. uh, or option three, he had some spillage. Um, he used acetone, and it totally messed up his covering job, and he's so mad that he'll never listen to us again. Hopefully, it's not that option. Well, let us know how it went. <laughs> right. Uh, if we don't hear from you, then I'm going to assume it was option number three. Oh, gosh. I'm going to stay positive <laughs> and assume it was hopefully one or two. Oh, I'm, I'm going for one. But either way, yeah, you can use acetone in place of debonder, just cautious. Just be cautious. Yeah. Especially on covering. Okay. Next, uh, William reached out and he said, Hi, in the building podcast, uh, you suggested trying to find a coverite iron. There are two that I found, Black Baron and 21st Century. Are they different and which one is better? So yes. Ours is 21st Century yes. that we use. The irons that we are using are, is the 21st Century. And I should have I should have clarified that. Coverite's been in business a long time. Mm-hmm. Or they had to been in business they a long time. Were in business a long time before <laughs> yeah. they were no longer in business, right? Um, and they did actually make two different types of irons to coincide with their different types of covering. Mm -hmm. uh, they had twenty uh, first century films and fabrics, and then they had coverite. It was just called coverite covering. Um, the iron that they sold to use with the coverite covering 
was just a standard old, just like a hanger nine iron with the, you know, rotary knob heat control, not very accurate as you discovered, you know, yeah, like your, the analog control. Exactly. Um, and then when they came out with their 21st century line of products, it was paint covering, a painted fabric covering, even if you remember those, they made those. Um, that was designed to work with their 21st century iron, which is the digitally controlled ones that we use. And that's like the top of the line version of the two. I mean, like when you're yeah, talking to the was, same company, yeah. it's, you know, you have your entry level, which is going to be the, the Red Baron or the Black Baron one. Right. And then the the higher end is going to be the 21st century. Exactly. Right? And and I th- that's, yeah, the, the, the Coverite film, it was called Black Baron film. They had Black Baron and then there was the 21st century. Sorry. All right. Yeah. To add fine. to the confusion there. Well, no, I, it kind of makes sense if everything sticks with, you know, this is the cheaper covering, right. this is the cheaper exactly. iron. Um, and I don't know how the, the Black Baron ones worked, but if it is anything like the Hangar 9 ones. Exactly. Then. Set yeah. up exactly the same. Same. The shoe shape was a little bit different. Um, uh, I believe they had the Teflon coating on them back then. But basically still the same old, you know, analog control, just like the Hangar 9 or the Tower yeah. Hobbies or the Monocoat so, Iron. Or so possibly a, a larger swing in temperature. Yeah. I mean, like More the, than the Hangar 9 one that I have, like and I've said it before, it was a huge swing in temperature, yeah. like way too much. Right. It doesn't have to be that much with analog. Like analog yeah. controls can get it much tighter control right. than that. Yep. And maybe it's just mine. Maybe some of them, you know, some yeah. of the Hangar 9 I ones are it. closer. I doubt it's um, just yours because I, I noticed even then, that's why I always went to my 21st century iron because it was, it was especially when using UltraCode, it's very, very important to maintain a particular temperature. Especially with ultra code, mm-hmm. um, so that's why I never went to the to the standard ones because they were all like that. I have one uh, a regular iron that's a monocoat iron, same type of analog control, and it the swings on it are crazy. Yeah, but with monocoat, I just crank it up and use it. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. forty degrees on mine. I still yeah, remember yeah. that. Yeah, and I'm not surprised. I mean, and it was like. Three or six, I think six degree total yeah. swing on the on the other one. And here's Three some good news. Yeah, like I didn't realize this until I did a little bit of digging to to you know answer this question. Even though Coverite, you know, they don't make this iron anymore, and I'm not sure Coverite is actually even a, a legitimate company anymore. You can still buy digitally controlled irons out there, and. Yeah, you found them on yeah for, on and uh, edge banding edge or something. Band. Wasn't yeah. It? yeah, so for countertops, you know, you put the iron on the edge. They make there's a company out there that makes an iron for that, and it is pretty even much the same better thing. Yeah. because it has a digital readout. You can actually select the tech. So good news. They're pricey, you know. But what tool isn't really right. for a, a good for a quality, good quality tool. iron so there's there's hope so if you yeah. if you want a coverite 21st century iron and you can't find one um, there are alternatives out there just do a quick uh, google search of uh, digital temperature or digital sealing iron is that what you look for i believe that's what i look for yeah. and i brought up several different uh, companies that make them so good news there you go all right moving on all right, so uh, a while back we talked about AMA here in the States. AMA is an insurance that you know kind of covers us. Uh, and <clears throat> I did get clarification from uh, one of our listeners. Thanks you. Uh, thank you, John. Uh, I'll just read what he writes. He says, uh, so I'm time traveler coming at you from way back in episode 34. 
way back episode 34. That's funny. That is funny. Uh, and he just wanted to clarify something about the AMA insurance coverage statements that I made uh, on that episode. He says, uh, AMA members do not need to be flying at a certified field to have the insurance coverage. You just have to be following the AMA safety code. However, AMA member insurance is not primary over other liability insurance that you may already have. So your own renters or homeowners insurance will pay out first, and then the AMA stuff kicks in. Kind of like a secondary insurance. Yeah, almost exactly like a secondary exactly. insurance. Yep. Uh, so he says, uh, so it's not so helpful for homeowners, but really handy for uninsured renters. So there you go. Uh, Thanks for that clarification. And then he also goes on to say, um, if you've already addressed this in a later podcast, feel free to ignore it. I'm not going to ignore any of our listeners. Nope. Uh, And instead, enjoy this lovely picture of my ace all-star biplane after a winning round of, he calls this lobster combat. That's a first for me. I've never heard that. Yeah, I've not heard of that either. Uh, By cutting off almost the entire streamer from a tow plane. Uh, Now I am familiar with streamer cutting. That's Mm -hmm. that's a fun... uh, could potentially be dangerous uh, <laughs> activity, but uh, basically, if you're not familiar with what uh, streamer cutting is, it's you have one plane out there that tows a streamer, and then you have other airplanes out there trying to cut it off and see how short you can get it. Yep. And luckily, he was pointed right down the runway when he made the cut as it locked up his motor. Uh, but the dead <laughs> stick landing was perfect, and he's got a picture of it, and it does looks great. It's yeah. a good looking biplane, actually. I like the I like the color combination on there. Yeah, and yeah. That's and you awesome. can see the streamer wrapped around the motor shaft. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. We should try that sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, thanks, John, for the clarification on the AMA. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Moving on. You want to take this one? You sure. want me to? I'll take You're this You're being one. so quiet with your papers, and I'm just flinging them. I mean... Well, you always yell at me for making noise over here. Well, it's usually with pens and stuff where you just kind of <laughs> start fidgeting. I do. I do fidget a Like lot. I said, we got a book to get through. we got several All right, so more. I'll, I'll, I'll get into this one. Okay. <clears throat> Hey, y'all. It's from our friend Gary. Mm-hmm. Uh, just got done listening to the episode on... It, it actually says y'all, by the way. It really We're not does. Just, yeah, yeah. I mean, that... No, okay. Why apostrophe A-L-L. Y'all. That's how it's spelled. So. Yeah, so that's why you got to say it that uh, way. It says you just got done listening to the episode on trimming your airplane for the first flight, and I learned some new things about trimming an airplane, like how to determine if you have enough right thrust. So for that, thank you. Uh, he says, but because you taught me something... Now I have a question or more of a got to talk it through with someone. So, Tom, here we go. But, Ron, you will have to convert millimeter to inches for Tom. <laughs> LOL. Okay. Just use the calipers, right? And yeah. you set it to what you want and then just... Yeah, my calipers does both, so I don't have to do any converting. Yeah. I Something don't, about 2.54, right? I don't know. Yeah, I actually don't like those calipers. I don't like the digital ones. Mine's not digital. It's an, It's got a face, but it has two... Really? Yeah, it has two... has two... Um, Gosh, what's the markings? Di- two dials. Has two dials? Not two dials. Has one dial, but it has two, gosh darn it, scales on it. Oh, okay. And as, you know, anyway. <laughs> no, that's cool. It I, has a red one and a black one. Red one's metric and the I black one's standard. I did not know that. Yeah, on mine. Mm-hmm. Huh, that's cool. It was a cheapy Harbor Freight one. Works perfect. Really? Yep. Wow. Yep. Uh, so anyway, he, uh, Gary goes on to say, I have an F4U that I finally got out to the field two weekends ago to fly it for the first time. The airplane CG measures about 8 to 10 millimeters aft of the rearmost CG point listed on the instructions. So I'm going to stop right there. That tells me that he has it balanced aft of this recommended CG, mm-hmm. which to me That's says already tail, tail heavy. heavy. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he says, uh, I was okay flying it with a slightly tail heavy condition. There we go. He says it's tail heavy. Of course, during takeoff, the nose wanted to climb as expected and at low speeds with an aft CG. Uh, 
but as the airplane gained speed, the nose wanted to dive. When the Corsair was trimmed for level flight at a comfortable throttle setting, I noticed the airplane was extremely pitch sensitive. When I landed, I had three to five millimeters of up elevator dialed in for a tail-heavy airplane. He says, this got me thinking about center of lift versus center of gravity. Oh, boy. Yeah. So before I before I get into what, what happens next, um, I will say that there are some telltale indicators of a tail-heavy airplane. Pitch sensitivity is, is right up there, you know, number one. Like maybe not number one, but it's up there. Mm-hmm. If it if the airplane porpoises, you know, you, you give it a little bit of up elevator and it climbs and then you neutralize the elevator and it keeps climbing. So then you give it a little bit of down elevator and then it goes down, you go back to neutral and it keeps going down tail heavy, mm-hmm. right? So that I call that porpoising. Um, and that's- Because it looks like a porpoise going through the air. That's basically what down. he's describing. He says, uh, um, during takeoff, nose wanted to climb. But as the airplane gained speed, the nose wanted to dive- but he, did, he said in here that it was uh, pitch sensitive. So that's the first indicator flight-wise that it's tail-heavy, not to mention that it was tail-heavy according to the instructions. Now, he mentions <laughs> yeah. here, in a, here in a minute that the instructions could be wrong, which that actually happens sometimes, unfortunately. The, the manufacturers don't always get it right, which is unfortunate. That is unfortunate. But it does happen. Okay. Um, and... I'll go on to say, before we get into the center of lift and and, and uh, center of gravity discussion, that a warbird, like a Corsair or a Spitfire, anything that's short-coupled, and by short-coupled, I mean not a lot of airplane in front of the CG, um, they usually are sensitive to pitch. So you don't require as much travel on the, on the elevator, specifically. Um, and usually... Expo will help you out a great deal because they are so sensitive. Um, the Sop with Camel project that I've been working on for years and years and years, it's going to be a very pitch-sensitive airplane. And I know that. So I know I'm not going to have a lot of elevator travel and I'm going to have a lot of Expo and I'm going to have a lot of nose weight because there's not a lot of nose in front of the CG because it's going to be tail-heavy. So just wanted to get that out there before we start talking about center of lift versus center of gravity. I'll read the rest of his email and then we'll we'll get to that. So typically, he says, typically in an airplane, the center of, this is, I'm assuming what he found on the internet. Typically in an airplane, the center of lift is aft of the CG, which we okay, agree. I, I agree with that. Moving the CG to its aftmost limit decreases the moment arm between the center of gravity and center of lift. So you're shortening the distance between the two mm-hmm. and allows the tail more authority, making the airplane pitch sensitive. Okay. This would also cause the plane to dive at higher speeds and climb at low speeds as the lift increases and decreases. He says he made a brass spinner to bring the CG back into limits. Uh, He says he's hesitant to fly a second flight because he might be way wrong on this. Uh, He's bounced the idea off the guys he flies with, and they looked at him like he had three heads. So what do you think? Hmm. So my initial reaction was it's a tail-heavy airplane. It's displaying... Classic tail-heavy tendencies in flight. Yeah. It's tail-heavy according to the instructions, and we have to believe the instructions because it's the manufacturer, even though they do get it wrong occasionally. Um, So my advice to him was to add nose weight, which he did, and go fly it and have fun, which he did. And he contacted us later and 
Uh, I'm not sure if we're. I, yeah, I don't even know if, if I have that one. that one. And it was terrible, he said. So, um, but getting back to the the center of lift versus the center of gravity. So if you can picture it, so let's let's say your center of gravity on your airplane is right on the main wing spar. The center of lift is usually going to be someplace aft of that. And, and that makes sense to me. Yeah. Because if your center of lift is in front, then hold on, now I gotta try and think how I wanna say this. If your center of lift is in front of the center of gravity, when you stall, you lose the lift. Uh, hold on, how's it gonna be? So when you stall, you're gonna stall backwards, so the tail will fall. Am I saying that right? As Yeah, so your lift is is trying to pull up ahead of your CG, never allowing the nose to drop to recover from the stall. Right. Is what you're trying to so say. So it's just gonna kind of fall backwards out of the sky. I mean, if, tail yeah, first. I mean, I don't, way, yeah, right? I don't know how else to say having, it really well. Having the center of lift behind the center of gravity means it will flip forward. Facilitates recovery from high alpha or stalls or anything like that and makes an airplane dynamically stable. Um, and this is RC airplane. Now, RC airplane. Right. Yeah. Well, I think I think the same sort of principles apply to aviation in general. Principles, but then, yes, but when you get into the like the fighters and all that kind of stuff, that oh, throws everything out the window. Yeah. So those rules don't necessarily apply. I mean, they sorry, they apply, but they they do different things. Like some of those actually have center lift in front of center of gravity and yada yada yada. And they have computers to overcome the dynamic right. instability that it happens right. Yeah. So yeah, like you were saying, when you stall with a, a CG that is four of the uh, center of lift, then you're going to fall forward as opposed to dropping that tail. Exactly. Which brings up the whole other discussion that you and I were talking about when we were, you know, first discussing this, this email. One. Lifting stabs. Yeah, I still haven't wrapped my mind around that one yet. <laughs> so, I don't know. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So that this, it's it's definitely beyond my pay grade. Like I'm not an engineer. I'm not a you know an aerodynamic, aero aerodynamicist. Is that it? Anyway, I don't know. Um, all I know is it's weird. Uh, but his airplane, according to his description, was displaying. In my mind, classic tail-heavy symptoms, he added no weight, nose weight, and it got worse, according to his follow-up with us. Yeah. So, um, Gary, sorry about that. I gave you bad information, it sounds like. Uh, hopefully, the airplane's flying well now. Hopefully, uh, we figured it out. Um, and uh, makes me curious as to whether the CG recommendation in the manufacturer's instructions on that airplane are right or not. He never says what brand it is. He says it's just an F4U, which is a Corsair. Yeah. Uh, which is a short couple. Yeah. yeah. And most of the time kind of instable or in instate. Instability? Instability. Yes. It's not stable. My goodness, I'm having a problem with that one. It's not a stable airplane. Like it, just the design yeah. of it. Low wing. Yeah, with the goal shape. The goal wing. wing you know, yeah, there's all a lot that of weird of things stuff. going yeah. on with a Corsair, but yeah. um, whistling death. They were they were known, I think, as oh, was whistling that that death. one? I thought I that was so. a Mustang for some reason. Was I wrong? I don't think it's a Mustang. I oh. thought it was the Corsair because the could have been shape of the airplane made a weird whistle when it was. Yeah, I know the. I don't even remember what it's called, but there's a term for that whistle, and I I know people are listening and they're yelling right now at the at the speaker because <laughs> of what it's called. Probably. But yeah, because yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh really? Hey, look at me making noise with my paper. Well, I'm I can do it on. too. All right, next. 
Okay, so this is from Jonathan. He says, in the last episode I listened to, you were discussing the struggles of bending and forming eighth-inch balsa sheeting for the duelist uh, and how you might need to wet and form it a couple times to get the shape right. Mm -hmm. He said, I found it easier in situations like this to use two layers of 16th-inch balsa sheeting. Uh, as individual sheets, they are more flexible, and after they dry into the correct shape, a little aliphatic <laughs> glue. glue. <laughs> you got somebody else to say it. There you See? go. Uh, a little aliphatic glue one. will lock the layers together, creating a composite structure stronger than the single eighth-inch sheet. Um, and if strength is really important, you can cross the grains in the sheeting uh, or use more layers and even thinner sheeting, creating your own formed plywood parts. Yeah. Happy building. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, it's a very good tip. Sixteenth uh, inch sheeting is much easier to work with and form than eighth inch. Uh, and it is, you know, a laminated uh, structure is definitely stronger than a single, you know, thickness of, uh, especially if you do, if you cross the grains. So yeah, it's a great tip. Um, it was a little bit too late when I, when I did my fuselage, but uh, you can <laughs> see the, you can see how I did mine on our build log on the, on the, uh, uh, website. Forums. Thank you. Or no, web, oh gosh. It's on the website. On the, on the, on the I build logs, again. the Duelist build logs. You're right. Yeah. But yeah, it, uh, it worked out pretty well uh, for what uh, what I did, but uh, certainly uh, his uh, his tip is is a very useful one and will definitely make for a strong uh, structure. Yeah. So, one I will probably take up one day yeah, when yeah. I do this again. Well, I mean. Not this one again. We do have a much larger project on the horizon that we'll probably use that very technique that uh, John recommends. Really? For probably. what part to it, you think? Uh, there's going to be some roundish parts uh, around the engine cowlings that I can foresee. Yeah, I didn't know how we were going to do that. This is for the, the tri-motor? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, I'm... yeah. Cool. E easy peasy. But yeah, <laughs> thanks, John. That's a great tip. Um, hopefully, uh, we'll be able to use that in the future and maybe uh, some of our other listeners. Yeah. So... Well. For the tri-motor, the way I foresee this happening, uh -huh. since you're the builder and you, you know, do a, such oh, a, a great job, comes. and I'm just like the behind-the-scenes kind of guy, I will do all of the tracing, I will do all the cutting, and give you the parts and you can build it. At least some of the, the, the pieces. That, you don't want to have a hand in any of the building? Well, I'm so unsure of myself now. After you look at what I've done on the Duelist that I don't know if I want to or not. Your Duelist looks fine. You laugh at it every time you look at it. I don't laugh I die at inside it. a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. I don't laugh at it every time. I actually think it looks really good. Mm. I really do. And I say that a lot. Yeah, it doesn't count when you ask for the compliments, Tom. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's... I'm only laughing at your techniques. The finished product <laughs> looks fantastic. That makes it even better, I think. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, like honestly, though, I think a lot of the things that, like the, the, the tri-motor is going to take a lot of time to do. Yes. And it's going to be a lot of, um, we don't get together that often. We don't have that much time together to work on it completely, you know. No, you're right. As a team, so yes. I think it's going to be something where we're going to have to kind of split it up to actually make it happen. Well, in 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 my head, I envisioned a lot of the construction um, going on at my house. To mm. be honest, that's how I sort of envisioned it. Yeah, but well, I mean, me too. Then, so that's fine. Yeah, I don't I don't mind when it comes time to like the bigger parts and pieces. If you need somewhere else hands. to work on it, we can do it here and all that stuff too. <laughs> or but, hands, or hands. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, I'll make that's me how happy. That, uh, okay. 
Can't wait to start on that one. Well, we've got other things to finish first. I'm sorry. We have a telemaster we still need to fly. Oh, that won't take long. Well, we hope. <laughs> that shouldn't take long. All right. But we'll see. All right. All right. So what's next? Last thing. Uh, Emilio reached out, and uh, long story short, he says, um, honestly, you guys are doing a great job. All the woodworking tips help. If you haven't talked about a tip on how to cut wing ribs out, I would appreciate that. Hmm. Um, so, and he says on my my recent plans build profile hots, that was my least favorite part. Oh, and he said he continues. He says, keep up the great work. Oh, I yes. love that. I mean, I, I love it when they, I mean, he starts out doing a great job and then keep up the great work. I love that, by the You way. just love to have your ego stroked. Well, I mean, don't, doesn't everyone? I mean, really? No, not really. It makes does, me, it makes me uncomfortable. Oh, does it? Mm-hmm. You can't take a compliment? Not very well. Oh, well. Which is why I'm friends with you, because they don't <laughs> come very often. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, so Emilio asks about uh, cutting out wing ribs. Um, or he wants a, a good tip on that. So my tip would be buy a laser. No, I'm just teasing. Um, yeah, no, I, would, I would hope you're just teasing. No, because... of course I'm just kidding. Okay. The uh, I'll, I'll the, the way I have done it in the past and the way I've always kind of done it until recently is uh, basically I make a, a paper tracing of each rib um, on a HOTS. Great thing about a HOTS is they're so all the same. I, I don't know what that means. What's a HOTS? Oh, a HOTS. Uh, so a HOTS is uh, an airplane, a blast from the 80s. Um, it was a fun fly type airplane. So it had a very, very thick uh, cord. I'm sorry, a very thick airfoil. Uh, straight wing, same, you know, a Hershey bar wing, if you will. Um, and a kind of a cool looking triangular shaped fuselage and a very basic sheet balsa tail. They were super easy to build. They flew awesome. They were great at fun fly events, you know, candy drops and spot landings and most loops in a minute, you know, that mm -hmm. sort of thing we've talked about before. Um, kind of a stick, if you want to think of it that way. Not as much wingspan, much longer cord, um, and the fuselage, the moments were shorter for aerobatics. So that's okay, a hot so it makes it a little bit yeah. quicker to move and right. and responding yep. better. And it was a kind of a mid-wing uh, design so that the the wing actually kind of mounted down into the fuselage, like about halfway down. So it was midway down the fuselage. <laughs> so that was made it great for rolling because it rolled axially. Mm -hmm. you know I mean? No yeah. dihedral. It was a straight wing. Super, super easy airplane to build. And the uh, best part about it, all the ribs were the same shape. So in this particular case, Emilio, what I would do is I would make one plywood template, uh, you know, basically do a tracing from the plans, cut that rib out of a piece of eighth inch light ply or, or something maybe a little durable like that. And then stack that on a sheet of, I think the ribs were probably eighth inch for the 40 size hots. I made them in different sizes. Um, stack that on a sheet of eighth inch, uh, balsa and go hit it with your with your bandsaw using that uh, that plywood template on the top and cut it really slowly cut it away from the lines and then make your stack of ribs not so wide that you can't hit them all with a block sander block sand them all together that's how i would do it oh okay yep so just and stack it all together stack and then them together, cut it once cut them sand them cut the spar notches 
do it all like one one time or maybe a couple of groups of a few ribs each. You know, whatever will fit underneath your sanding block to make them nice and square and uh, and go to town. That's how I would build that wing and how I'd cut them out. Would you do a single, like a single piece of plywood on mm-hmm. one side or yep. double it up so you, you kind of had something double to it work? up, but I, I – soft balsa – Usually my bandsaw doesn't wander too much, especially if I keep the stack not real, real thick, like maybe an inch or two max. Um, and don't cut real close to the line because sometimes the saw does want to undercut yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, one one plywood template on the top, cut around that template and then hit it with a block sander to, to take it down to the final shape. And that's, yeah. That sounds pretty I've, easy. I've built several uh, basic constant cord wings that way, and it works. You'd be surprised how quickly you can knock knock the ribs out that way. Yeah, the ribs seem like they would be the most difficult part on an airplane. Like well, if you were building without any extra help, yeah. I guess I would say, like, you know, with laser cutter or, or tools like that, they yep. seem like they would be the most time-consuming. Yep. Is that... Um, is that That's an accurate statement. Is it? Yep. Uh, on a on a you know on a tapered wing or, or a wing that you know the the cord tapers out at the tip you know where you have you know basically two ribs that might be the same shape you know the left one and the right one of number one or number ten or whatever yeah it gets a little more tedious and and then I I resort to the old sharp exacto knife with a paper template of each rib and then I'll stack the two together and you know, make two identical ribs, one for the left panel and one for the right. And so when you do that, then do you, you cut it out as close as you can, or do you kind of leave enough room to sand it down I leave, again? like if I'm, <clears throat> if I'm cutting out one at a time with an X-Acto knife, I'll cut right to my line. Really? Yep. Yep. And so how do you do that with an X-Acto knife without tearing out the back of the balsa? Because like whenever like if I'm trying to rip, don't do I, it. Don't do it in one pass. Well, if even balsa, if I don't do it in one pass, like I always with even a sharp knife, like when I go cross grain, I will well, rip out the okay. back on it. So most ribs are not going to be run with the grain vertically, right? Most ribs are going to well, be true, laid but out. You're, 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 you're eventually you're going to get leaning some edge and your trailing grain. edge will be cross grain. Well, for the leading edge, where okay, where you're making your cut for where the leading edge goes and the trailing edge stock, and the you know and so on, mm-hmm. those cuts, yeah, I'm not going to cut those right on the line. Okay. Usually, I'll cut those to length either with my razor plane or not my razor plane, my razor saw, or I'll cut way far away and then I'll sand down. But the the profile shape of the rib, oh yeah, that's all exacto right to the line for me. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. It goes goes slow. You know, there's no yeah. hurry or. You're building an airplane because you enjoy the time spent doing it. So spend the time doing it. And enjoy the time you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's how I, that's how I've done it. You know, I think that's how most folks who cut out their own ribs, that's how they, how they do it. But lucky for him, he's building a HOTS and they're all the same. (laughs) All right. Cool. Hey, that's the last piece of paper I have. That's it. Anything else you want to talk about today? No, like I said uh, earlier, uh, some cool stuff coming uh, down the pipe for us. Uh, like I said, after the first of the year, we're gonna we're gonna get into video. Hopefully, your camera I, gets here in time. You keep saying that. I, I hope so. You're <laughs> you're putting me on the spot now. Well, you're gonna make it happen. I have every bit of confidence in you making that happen. Well, that's with my help. That's that's fair. I hope. Okay, some, yeah. If I can, I can't wait to see what you do. <laughs> 
I just do what you tell me to do. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, keep an eye out. We, uh, you know, <laughs> other stuff hopefully here pretty soon, uh, maybe another guest, and then we have our wives episode coming yeah. up too. So. so don't forget, Fun if stuff. you have any questions for our wives, email them oh, yeah. to us and uh, we'll be sure to ask it. Yep. And, and if you have questions for us, hit us up on the various different ways to do that. And just like this episode, we'll eventually hopefully get to them right here on, on the podcast. There we go. And oh. also, if I've given bad information, please let me know. Yeah, please call him out because those yeah, are yeah. my those are my favorite messages. <laughs> <laughs> he really does love it when you guys call me out. I glow so much when that happens. He does. I and shine. I, but, but I do admit, I'm I'm no expert. And the center of you know Gary's uh, question with the center of lift and the center of uh, um, gravity—that's that, a really good question. And to be honest, it's over my head without me diving in, you know, to the internet and getting the answers. And yeah. I just don't have time right now. Right. You're building so a So if somebody list. out there has the answer and can make it clear as mud, let us know. Yeah. Knowledge is power. I, oh gosh. Okay. Knowledge is power. Okay. You don't agree? I guess I've never thought about it. Knowledge, isn't that something from the I 80s? think you've said it before. I don't yeah, know. Probably. Remember, I was like a, I a toddler in the 80s. Oh, that's true. So Sometimes I forget how young you are. Well, your wife is giving me the finger, by the way, because I said I was a toddler in the Lori, 80s. that wasn't very nice at all. I don't think it was. See, I have to say that because she's sitting there. Yeah. Otherwise, you'd be doing it too. <laughs> what is that? It's a heart. <laughs> oh, that's supposed to be a heart. <laughs> Weird. Anyway, okay. Well, that's what you get to look forward to when she's on. Uh, anyway, what are you doing? I was reading my I was reading my list to make sure we got everything. We did, did we? Yep. Okay. Cool. Well, then until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Tom. Good night. Good night. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the RC Plane Lab podcast. For topic suggestions, to ask questions, or to give any feedback, connect with us at rcplanelab.com or email us direct at either ron at rcplanelab.com or tom at rcplanelab.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, may your landings be gentle.